Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back. And let's go to the phones and say good morning to one of our favorite contributors, Mr. Nate Zelinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing well, but don't expect me to be kind to you today. I know I've been kind to you for almost two years, but I know where you slipped off through the last two weeks, so you get no quarter from me. <laughs> you know, like uh, like you want to say, what, what do we call it? You're on assignment? Is that, is that what we say? <laughs> yeah, on assignment, yeah. You know, one time when I was on assignment in Hawaii myself, um, it was it was getting right into the fall. It was like late November, and I posted a video on Facebook of me casting into a river on Kauai, and I said I was working on my ice fishing jigging techniques. <laughs> I love it. Hey, we're going to talk yeah. some fishing and hunting today. We're going to break it into a couple segments because we get into this time of the year, and both are going to start taking on equal equal importance if you want to have success. But let's start with fishing. That's number one on people's minds. But then we're going to spend some time on hunting after the break. Let's. What's going on? What are you seeing out there? You know, Terry, we're kind of getting that time of year where we're hitting kind of the the summer, we'll call it. So the summer bite. So we, we have some tremendous fishing going on. But I will say that it might not be as easy as it was, say, two weeks ago. Um, so it's one of those things now where I say you have to hone in your skills just a hair. So we're going to start at the bottom. We'll work our way to the top. So, number one, the walleye bite. Uh, right now, we have a lot of different bites going on. So uh, more so, I'd say even some new bites at Chatfield. But we'll start off. Terry Creek is fishing very well. Uh, you know, we're having probably 50 to 70 fish days there. A lot of quality fish. So our keeper ratio at Cherry Creek is going very well. So Cherry Creek is, uh, is going strong. With that being said, if I cruise the shores, especially like at low light, so first thing in the morning, right in the evening, I am seeing a ton of young gizzard chad. I would not say those gizzard chad have moved out into the main water yet. But it's coming, especially within the next week or so. So right now, Cherry Creek is fishing well. Uh, we are catching a lot of fish on live bait rigs. So, you know, a revolve hook or a slow death style technique, live bait rigging, flip bobbers, all the bait stuff is working. Um, I do think that within the next, you know, week to 10 days, that bite's going to continue. But I think it will slow a hair. And we're really going to see the the activation on on uh, on jigging is going to take place. So I think the the blade baits, the reactionary baits, are really going to come on strong once those young gizzard shad move out onto that main body of water. But either way, Cherry Creek is fishing very well right now. The bait rigs are working well. Blade baits are working well. Jigging's going well. But just having your head um, that I think a reactionary switch over to fishing is going to help drastically um, in about the next week to 10 days. So that's kind of that bite there, but, but fishing very well. And then Chatfield, that water level is still staying pegged where it's at. I know a lot of people really anticipating um, things kind of drying up and that water level reducing. Um, it is not. It is staying at full pool, and I think we're going to stay there for quite a while. So 
for everybody that's kind of, you know, fishing other places, waiting for Chapel to return to what they know, um, I would encourage everybody to get out there, learn the new waters. Um, I think it's here for a while. So with that, we have a lot of bites. So Chatfield right now, same thing. We have young bait fish that are on the shores. That bait's going to move out to that main body of water within the next week or so. But regardless, I think there's so much water and fish spread everywhere. I really think Chapel's going to fish well all the way into the fall. Uh, we have a lot of different bites. So I, I had a couple opportunities last couple of days. I threw jigs up in shallow water. So we threw curly tails. I threw little crowded imitations. I threw curl, or, uh, paddle tail grubs. So I threw all the jig styles up on points, up on shorelines in shallow water, four to six feet of water, and we caught a lot of walleye. Then I moved out right on the edges of the trees or the points, and I moved out to that 12 to 14 feet of water, and I pulled live bait rigs and slow death hooks with a night crawler. We did very well, and we caught a lot of fish. And then I went on the hunt for some bigger fish, and we now have a lot of deeper water structure with weed growth. So down on the south end, so out, say, in front of Catfish Flat, if you go out to that old mud flat, we always call it the Green Mile, you have about 10 foot of vegetation growing up, and then you have, you know, roughly speaking, 15 feet of open water above that vegetation. I was trolling flicker shads above those weeds, you know, 12 to 14 feet below the surface, and we had a tremendous bite on a lot of walleye and a lot of big walleye. Uh, same thing, that whole Plum Creek area has a lot of weed growth, but a lot of open water above the weed growth, and pulling cranks above that was very conducive to some really big fish. So Chatfield's kind of neat because that suspended bite is, you know, is always a trolling bite, but I've never seen it this good. Uh, multiple times I had four planer boards go at a time, so really tremendous trolling bite there. So Chatfield's going very well um, and a lot of variety of techniques. So you can kind of hone in your strength um, to a bite at Chatfield right now. So that's pretty exciting. And I do think we're going to start seeing some really big fish come out of there just from what I've seen in the last two or three days. So I think Chatfield's uh, a must-do in the next two weeks or so, especially as those shads fly down in that open water basin. Um, and then if you start I, I going a, to the high country. Yeah. Before we, before we do that, I want to I wanna ask you about Chatfield. There's been a dearth of bait at Chatfield over the last couple of years because of Chad haven't got off a good spawn, and it's made the fish hungry and a little more susceptible to fishing. Uh, are we look? Are you, from what you're saying, it sounds to me like maybe we're doing a little better on the shad, and that's going to probably over the next this year and next year change it a little bit. Absolutely. With the flooded water, it gave us new food. So I'd say the second the water came up there in May, we started to see a little more weight retention on those fish, which was really good. And then, honestly, the, the shad hatch was strong this year, so we're good. Um, what had happened in the last two years, and we talked about this, but people thought that we had a shad die or a shad kill off, and it wasn't really the case. Obviously, Chatfield is a water storage facility. That's where a Corps of Engineers stores water. The shad spawn in extremely shallow water on a shoreline and the past two years when the shad have spawned we've had calls for water and and we've had the water get drawn out and it's left the the shad eggs dry and we just didn't get a shad hatch so it wasn't that we had anything weird going on we just simply didn't have a shad hatch due to the water level lowering during the shad spawn the water stayed high during the, the spawn this year um so we have a lot of shad growth we have a lot of just new food with the vegetation 
irrigation. We have a lot of food coming in from the ponds that are now flooded. Um, so a lot of foods, yeah, I, those fish are in good shape, and I think really uh, this year is going to bounce back any of those, those smaller fish that we've been struggling with there for a little while. All right, let's go up to the mountains of pike country. Yeah, as we start going to the mountains, we have a lot of bite. So starting off, we're now starting to see quite a few kokanee at 11 mile. I wouldn't say that it's like red hot, hottest bite to talk about, but if you have capabilities of getting a bait down deep, whether that's a downrigger, whether it's lead core, a dipsy diver, um, we are seeing some pretty nice gathered up kokanee at 11 mile. So, uh, I mean, we're seeing them as far down as Deer Island, all the way up to the basically like the North Shore Marina, um, and there are kokanee gathered up in all of that water. They're sitting right now about 30 to 45 feet below the surface. Uh, but the kokanee bite is in existence right now. That we're catching enough of those fish um, to where I'd say it's definitely worth going after if you are a kokanee angler. So I you know, suggest everybody, that's a good bite. Keep that in mind. Um, you jump over to spinny. Spinny's water level is now full, um, and that, that fishery is going well. I will say the trout are very spread out. We have trout shallow, shallow up feeding on damsels on the islands as shallow as one, two feet of water. We have trout sitting down in 15, 20 feet of water uh, and everywhere in between. So the trout are kind of scattered everywhere. They are feeding. Uh, it's one of those things that I would encourage everybody, though, take a presentation that you can cover water. My goal for spinny, if I go there, is I am covering water as much as possible. When I start catching fish, slow down, hang out catch all the fish in that school and then move on. Uh, but the fish are spread out enough that I would say it's definitely one of those things that you need to be covering water. Um, with the water level being so high and coming so late with that high water, we still have quite a bit of fishable water for pike. Uh, it's pretty neat to see. Uh, a traditional year, by the time we hit early July, the weeds are almost all the way to the surface and they're fairly choked up. And those pike are sitting so deep that we have a hard time getting to them. Normally, we're throwing spinner bait, slow rolling them through those weeds uh, and trying to encourage those pike to come out. We have enough open water and quite a bit of the lake that we can still throw jerk baits. And with throwing those jerk baits, uh, they stand out. We have enough water to where they rattle hard, they flash hard. You can slow it down and really give those pike time to come out and feed it. So the pike bite at Spinney continues to stay strong. Uh, and honestly speaking, I would say it, it is probably the best July that I have seen in, I can't remember when, um, on these big pikes. So we're still seeing opportunities at 40-inch pike almost daily. Um, so if you're a pike angler, go up there. I mean, obviously, you have the spinner baits in hand, have your swim baits, have all that gear. But if you go up to spinning, you can literally throw a jerk bait the entire day uh, and have really good success on pike. So pretty exciting to see spinning uh, holding on to the pike bite as long as it has. So that bite's tremendous. Uh, then we jump over to Antero where we've been fishing. Um, same type thing. We're doing really well with our fly rods early in the day when it's flat calm. A lot of different hatches taking place. Uh, but if you don't want to fly fish, we're doing really well. Working Tasmanian Devils or Cast Masters worked very quickly, worked very aggressively. But then really when Antero is shining, is the afternoons. The second week, get our afternoon little thunderstorms moving through. We create some wind. The second that wind picks up, those fish are literally going crazy. So if you just want an action-packed day, I would highly suggest Antero, especially in the afternoon once you get a little wind. Uh, that bite is absolutely tremendous. So that's kind of the, the current bites that we've been hitting most regular. We've also been doing some bass, some carp, some lake trout, uh, but the walleye, pike, and trout are, are second to none right now. I have a couple quick questions I want to run by you. One is, 
now that Spinney is full, is there much snow left in the mountains and they're not going to be able to hold water back anymore? Well, do you think we're going to see all those lakes on the South Platte are full? Are we going to see increased flows or is the snow mostly gone? No, Terry, there's so much snow up there, it's blowing my mind. <laughs> I, uh, we'll talk about it, obviously, in the next segment when we start talking about hunting, but I went to glass some of the higher country for some elk that normally reside very high up. And, I mean, we've lost almost all our snow in that 12, you know, 12 and a half, 13-foot range. But when you start getting up to the, the mid-1300s um, in elevation, we still have a ton of snowpack. So uh, by no means would I say it looks like it does in, in you know, February or March. But for sure, the most snow that I've seen in a long time up there, especially in certain drainages, um, you know, certain little peaks, you'll have a bunch of snow. Like Buffalo Peaks is all melted off, but, you know, you jump over a little bit and other areas have a ton. So uh, not that I'm saying we're going to have a huge flow still, but there is still a ton of snow in the high country. So we're going to have that slow kind of drip motion going on. I think the reservoir is going to stay high. And, you know, crossing my fingers, everything downstream is so full, I'm really hoping that uh, they don't have such a big water pull at Spinney this fall, and I'm hoping we'll finally get back to October fishing at Spinney. Uh, we're really counting on it. We're hoping, uh, but at this point, nobody knows. Just kind of wait and see what the calls come in for water. Right now, everything's fishing really good, and uh, I think the fall's looking really good. All right, my friend. Let's take a time out and come back and do some hunting. Can I put you on hold for a few minutes? Absolutely. All right, we're going to put Nate on hold. Then we're going to take a time out here. We're going to come back and change things up. He kind of teased it already, but if you're not planning your hunting right now, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. We're going to talk about that and more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Little Tom Petty there, always good. We lost so many great musicians before their time. Um, we're going to go right back to the phones. We were talking fishing with Nate Zielinski, and now we're going to talk hunting. Welcome back, Nate. Thanks, Terry. You know that song my dad and I used to... Uh fish the Colorado River. We used to fish uh, big marabou jigs, these big giant browns out of Glenwood, and uh, we used to always listen to that song, driving that stretch of river. It was always fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny how you know, music and the outdoors both bring back a lot of memories. Oh, you know, Nate, a little trigger. Yep. <laughs> yeah. we, uh, we have a mantra, you and I, on the show. It's don't get ready for hunting, stay ready for hunting. But we're getting to the time of year where certain things are elevating in priority i mean you should be understanding your gear whether you're rifle or archery hunting you should be practicing you should be making sure everything's in place you should know have your licenses and know where you're going to hunt and another thing that's really becoming a priority is it's time to be scouting even more absolutely terry so we'll kind of where we're at just so everybody knows um licensing is one of the big things, right? So there's always options of how you obtain your license. We have the primary draw that all our big game, you know, holders apply for in April, basically the first April or the first Tuesday in April. Everybody applies, you know, you're excited, you get those results. Then we have the option of the secondary draw. Those tags were due a week ago, um, and they were all came out in the last two days. So as of yesterday afternoon, 100% of the results 
of the secondary draw are now out. So I know a lot of hunters were not successful or didn't have a plan after the first, and they were really counting on the second. At this point now, you should have your option. So obviously we have one more opportunity coming up in August um, where hunters will have the leftover list, right? So you'll start to see whatever's leftover opportunities there, or you're looking at one of our over-the-counter hunts, uh, especially for elk, you know, archery, second, third rifle. But regardless, by now you should have a really good idea. I wouldn't count on the leftovers. You have a good idea of what you're going to do. You're either going to hunt, you know, over the counter or you have your tag in hand. So number one, it is time to start planning because now we know what licenses are there. So number one, you have that plan. Uh, number two, obviously it is a very different year. So concepts that I want to talk about, we have obviously the, the major changes in the Northwest corner. We've talked about it a lot. I don't want to beat it up, but we've have, you know, license reduction, closed areas. So we have a lot of hunters moving to different areas. Colorado Parks and Wildlife has also done more closures this year in calving areas. And I think this is a great thing. As much as I hate to see some of our Forest Service roads not be accessible uh, in the spring during calving, uh, but those roads will open up here soon. But we've had some road closures due to the calving. And I know a lot of hunters have, have struggled with that. So it's education, right? So that's one of those things that I tell people, hey, if you're getting out there scouting, know the area, know what roads are open, know your access point, all that kind of stuff. So we're kind of talking about that. And number three, obviously we have more moisture than we've ever had. There's still a lot of snow in the extreme high country like we talked about during our fishing segment. So I can honestly say that I have been watching deer. I have been watching elk. I've been watching pronghorn. And I have some drastic changes um, in all accounts. So number one, one of the areas that I probably find my biggest really high country mule deer in, they have not moved into that country because the snow delayed them so much. Um, it got to the point where they kind of made up, you know, their home shop in lower elevation basins. So my deer have not shown up where they normally are, and they have kind of totally moved and changed up their average patterns. I found them. I am back on track, but it took me several weeks to dial in where my big deer were at due to some of the the, the snowpack in the areas I'm at. Obviously, we don't have that snowpack statewide, so some of the areas where you might be, you might not see that, but regardless, if you have not been out scouting, I would not say this is one of those years that you're trusting old information, old migrations, old habits. Uh, it's one of those things that I would definitely get out there firsthand and understand if your area is going to be successful or not with game. So deer had some, some major change-ups there. My elk are not migrating near as much, so I am seeing the elk in the normal areas, but I am definitely not seeing as much movement from food, water, bedding. Concepts there, there's water everywhere. Every nook and cranny in the state of Colorado has water, right? If it's a divot in a rock, it has water on these for, for these animals to drink. So we're seeing very little migration to water holes. Um, obviously, there's more grass than we're used to, to where these animals used to migrate further uh, to find the, the perfect food source. There's food everywhere. And we also have so much growth that I am seeing them have more options for bedding. I found elk the other day bedded in some pretty wide open country because the grass was tall enough to give them shelter to feel safe. So I, more than anything, I'm seeing less animals because they're not migrating as much. So now where, you know, I'm only seeing them at first light and last light in a very small little migration from food, water to bed, as where in the past I was seeing them go 
70, 80 percent further to get to the food and have to migrate back to the water and migrate back to their bedding. So the animals are still there. They're still doing their daily habits. They look great with all the moisture. Um, It's one of those things that there's just less opportunity to see them because they're moving around less because they don't have to. Um, So it's one of those things that if you are an elk hunter, um, this is going to be one of those years that I think more time in the field scouting is going to benefit you on your hunt um, just with everything happening. Again, there's water everywhere. So if you're an archery hunter, a muzzleloader, um, I don't think you're going to have those patterns on the water holes like you normally would because there's so many places to drink, so many places to wallow. Um, I mean, there's mud pockets everywhere. Um, so, So those are probably the biggest change ups as far as animals go you know we have area closures we have some road closures we have less migration so a lot of stuff happening i can also say on the pronghorn front uh, i went out to kind of kiowa and i couldn't access four or five of my fields and i couldn't access a handful of the walk-in access areas they're still open to walk-in access but the roads leading me in a mile to where i would normally park were closed due to the road getting washed out so i have a couple areas where my where the literally you know, drainages, old river bottoms became active rivers, um, and it shut down the migration. So I have a couple properties that my pronghorn are simply not on because they couldn't get there due to water. I have other areas that my access is drastic now. It used to be an easy in and out, and now it is a very committed hike to get in and out uh, due to road closures out there. So hunting, get out, learn the resource. At the end of the day, Time in the field right now is probably more important on this year with all this moisture and the the crazy winter we had, probably stronger than ever. So I encourage all hunters, get out, spend some time in the field, learn the access, learn the roads, learn the animals, learn how to, you know, navigate in and out of the areas you're hunting. All of those type things are going to lead to a very, uh, a much more successful hunt this coming fall just by getting out there and then kind of on the, the gear side, and we'll kind of talk about all this. Um, I per- personally really like to shoot a certain round out of a 300 win. 300 win is a caliber that I shoot a lot of animals with. I love hunting with it. Um, and I went to about 10 retailers in the last couple of days, and I cannot find that ammo. So even though we've bounced back from kind of the big COVID push with stuff, some things are still not available. The reason I say this, if you shoot a particular caliber, a shoot certain bullet, um, do not count on it being there. Go out now. Go to your retailers. Find ammo. If you can't find it and you're going to switch ammunition, switch now to where you have all summer to shoot, get comfortable, learn that bullet, learn how it flies, learn the ballistics, all of that type of thing. So if you're getting gear, get it now so you can be trained with it for hunting season. Get out scouting. Learn the resource. All of those things are the simple things that lead to a successful hunt this coming fall. We're really out of time, but I want to make a couple points real quick. One is, if we all of a sudden turn hot and dry, we're going to have to really watch how these conditions unfold. We're very seldom this wet this late into the year, but things could change in a hurry, especially drying out of undergrowth. So I think you're going to really have to be on top of that, don't you? 100%. 100%. We have so much, yeah, it's just a lot, lot of stuff happening. I think planning your days to get out at least every two weeks, even if it's just for a couple hours, is what I would suggest to everybody out there. And last, what do you got coming up for activities real quick? You know, we, we're full-blown in our guide trip, so we're entering a really strong time of year for, again, the last the live bait rigging for walleye. We're doing a lot of reaction bait for walleye, a lot of cool night trips for walleye on that suspended bite. So great walleye trips, great pike trips. I'd suggest everybody getting out for those. We have a youth 
catch rate event coming up on July 19th. So not this Wednesday, but the following. But I encourage you, put it on your calendars. This is all for the youth. So if you have your parent and you want to get your youth involved, bring them out here. Uh, we're going to have opportunities for youth to get on boats used to get some gear, lots of prizes. So regardless, we'll fill you in more. You can go to our website, go to go to our Facebook page. But uh, we have our youth event on on July 19th. Uh, I encourage everybody there. And then we have our cast event, which is another great youth event, on July 29th. So anything, watch our Facebook pages, get more information. Uh, but we have a lot of cool stuff coming up on event sides. And, of course, that's Sightline Outdoors. Thank you, my friend, and welcome back. We'll talk to you next Thank week. You. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye -bye. Nate Zelinski. This, we're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to continue on the shooting side when we're joined by the folks from Colorado Clays, Ontario, Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Jack's has locations up and down the front range, and I tell you what, Nate mentioned that last segment, he, he's trying to find some of the ammo he hunts with, and he's having trouble. You know, for the most part, things are good, but stop by the Jack stores. They're loaded up. Check it out. Make sure you can get that ammo, as our next guest will, I'm sure, be willing to uh, back me up on. You need to get it. No, you have it. Isn't that right, Mr. J.R. Pierce? That's how we need to do it, Terry. Um, get ahead of the game, for sure. You know, Nate could have written the intro for our segment. He talked about getting ready for hunting. He talked about finding ammo. Then he talked about two kids' events that are coming up. They're having a, a kids' fishing uh, event on his uh, catch rate. And then, of course, a cast for kids at Chatfield on the 29th for kids that are disadvantaged or have a, cha a physical challenge. And I'll tell you what, kids are very important to Colorado Clay's you guys really go out of your way. In fact, one of your favorite fundraisers is coming up, and it's it's one that's based for kids, isn't it? Yeah, Terry. So as we've always said, you know, Colorado Clays, you know, being the premier public access facility, we truly have something for everyone. But but I think it is important for people to realize how much we do for uh, the youth out here, uh, our programs. You have a very kid-friendly facility. You know, the high school shooting teams and state championships, 4-H counties and their championships, college, uh, Boy Scout, hunter safety. I mean, just go down the list of things that we do to make our uh, youth more involved in the outdoors. But, you know, Terry, like I say, Colorado Clays does an incredible number of events each year that anyone can enter um, as the one we're going to talk about here. For a multitude of different charities, corporations, fundraisers, competitions, or just fun. But one that is very near and dear to the hearts of myself, Corey, and Colorado Clays is the annual Guarantee Plays for Kids fundraiser event for Children's Hospital right here at Colorado Clays. And Terry, the reason this event is so special is that literally... Every penny generated goes directly to Children's Hospital to benefit those beautiful kids that are struggling with a variety of childhood illnesses and who truly depend on the moral and financial support of this event every year. Now, I'll give you a quick story here, Terry. You know, starting with Guarantee Electric. 
and by the way, I started using them for our electric needs here at the range a few years ago. Uh, I will tell you for a fact that is hands down the finest and most qualified bunch of electricians anywhere. Ask anybody in the industry. Um, but Jeremy Wilson, Senior Vice President of Guarantee Electric, who does a lot of uh, support and leagues and stuff at ours, came to me a couple years ago and he said, you know, JR, myself and all of us at Guarantee have worked hard and have built a great company and feel like it's time for us to give back to our community and particularly uh, someone who is in need. And after some amount of thought by many of us involved, we determined that nothing is more important than the health and well-being of our families and particularly our youth. And shortly thereafter, the Guarantee Electric Children's Hospital Clays for Kids event was born. And due to the overwhelming interest and belief in this special event, we have extended the registration deadline so everyone can get entered uh, and get a team in to help support those kids. Uh, Terry, this event is July 21st at Colorado Clays. Register is 7 to 8 a.m. We start shooting at 8.30. And this is a one-of-a-kind, very unique event that incorporates sporting clays and a flurry tournament. So I would encourage everybody to come join the fun and help support our kids. Right. And, you know, this and all the almost all the fundraisers, now you have some some groups that come out and do a, an event just for their group, but most of the fundraising events you have are open to the public, and it's a couple things. It gives you a chance to give back um, to these great organizations while you're having fun shooting, and you get a little, it's not maybe the serious competition that you would get in uh, sanctioned type events, but at the same time, you get a little com competition, you get the test yourself against other people, a little trash talk, a little back and forth. It really just makes shooting fun, doesn't it? Yeah, Terry, and you know the format of most of these events. So you're right. Anybody loves competing. Um, uh, we do have events that gear the um, competition towards skill levels and such, so everybody has a chance. But most of these are going to have... Um, a breakfast, you know, before you come out. There's going to be a lunch after you shoot. There is prizes and drawings, door prizes, and so many more things that you can get involved in, uh, particular games, lots of good giveaways. But at the end of the day, the format being as good as it is, you know that any money made is going to help a very good charitable cause, and that's what makes these so fun. And I love seeing people come out with their friends, get a team in, and they just never realize how much fun this is going to be until they do it. Yeah, and you guys do so many of these. And if somebody was interested in just having a chat with you about their event, how do they? What's the best way they get out? Do they go online and get your phone number, come out and talk to you, or all? Yeah, Terry, all of those are options. I recommend this. If somebody wants to do, whether it's a corporate type thing, a charity thing, uh, a school thing, whatever it might be, figure out a few things. First, what dates might work for you? So we can look at the calendar and find out what are good dates for everyone. Uh, how many people are you going to have? What do you want to include? Because we have access to options for, as we said, the breakfast and different stuff. We have people that like to sponsor certain events, um, give, you know, donate money to the cause to have their name shown. So there's a lot of things. But really the biggest and best thing to do is to get all the information you can gather, decide what you want to do, what you want to have included, 
and get some dates and then just give us a call here at Colorado Plays. Ask for myself or Corey and we can start the process. You're more than welcome to go to coloradoclays.com and look on that click and then send us a question and we can move from there. But uh, by all means, get the process started. It's usually much easier than people realized and can do so much good out there. How about we get one started for the Terry Wickstrom Wine Fund? Well, Terry, that's going to have to be a big shoot. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a lot lot stronger, a lot more important priorities in me. Helping these kids uh, is so important. And speaking of kids, um, even when you're not doing these particular fundraisers or events, you run a very kid-friendly, family-friendly facility, don't you? Yeah, Terry. And we've, over the years, geared towards that. Um, Example of maybe a couple of things is we have the dedicated training areas for the beginner shooter. Uh, we actually have a playground we built just for those young ones while they wait for their family and, and until they're old enough to shoot as well. Uh, we offer zombie targets in the pistol range for the kids, and they love shooting them with the 22 or even the little guys with their BB guns. Of course, we have snack machines, picnic areas, dry camping areas so that the family can bring the camper and make a day of it, and much, much more, Terry, all designed to keep our youth in the outdoors and focused on the activities we all enjoy. And I'm sure at some point down the road, Terry, we will need their support uh, in the future. You know, the, you mentioned the 22s and the BB guns for the zombie targets. I think that is so incredible because I can remember going, my first shooting practice was an indoor BB gun range that my dad set up with targets so that we could learn basics of shooting. We, we were there having fun. We didn't know he was teaching us the basics of shooting, but we learned how to handle a gun, and safety was such a priority. We learned how to safely handle a firearm, but those BB guns were really training, and then we graduated to 22s, and, you know, that's the path <clears throat> that can get you into the shooting sports that builds respect for firearms, proper use of firearms, safe use of firearms, and still develop skills if you want to continue to shoot or hunt later in life. Well, you just said it, Terry. Even as long ago as that was for you, uh, um, I'm all right. you, you, you still remember it. And I'll tell you, just watching those memories be made is priceless. Um, one thing I will say, and the good thing, and one of the reasons we did make our facility uh, BB gun friendly as well is because some of these youth, they want to be shooting. They see mom and dad doing it. They want to be part of it, but the family doesn't own a firearm that's appropriate, and there's nothing worse than starting a youth out and having a gun that's too big for them and develop poor form or have them get bumped a little too hard. So it's always better to start out with something fun, develop those safe habits, um, get them hitting uh, a target in one way or another, and make the whole process fun and let them graduate and uh, get better at their own pace. So it's very important, and uh, we're very, very aware of that here at Colorado Clays. Now, I want to change things up for just a minute. We're not going to get in-depth right now on this, but since Nate brought it up, um, it's not too early to start being ready. You know, our mantra, and you've heard me say it over and over, is don't get ready for hunting, stay ready for hunting. You should be practicing, whether it's your shotguns for upland game, your rifle for um, pronghorn or deer or elk or 
the waterfall even and we're just and we're just going to see these seasons on us quicker than people believe uh, you need to make sure the ammunition you like to shoot with is available go to go to um, Jack's outdoor gear see what you can get buy it now have enough to practice and still enough to hunt with enough to sight in with and still that same one to hunt with it really is critical isn't it yeah, it, it certainly is, Terry, and I don't think sometimes people realize how important that actually is until they go ahead and, and just take that step and force themselves to get out. And it's amazing what people realize that would have got past them and probably or possibly could have cost them an opportunity of a lifetime. One thing I will say, like our uh, hunters that are also hand loaders, very meticulous try all their rounds they are out here all year long looking for the most accurate load uh the best load in their particular firearm uh working on their optics and those guys are generally going to be much more successful in the long run because their equipment is not a factor uh finding ammo buying it now uh possibly trying a couple different ones while it's available Focus on your best load and then buy enough ahead to where you're ready. Extremely important. And, Terry, just see it all the time. A guy needs to get down there and make sure all of his equipment is functioning proper, properly. It's lubricated. Uh, your optics are bolted down and your consistency is there. It's so easy to do at Colorado Clays by simply walking in, um, do a waiver, pay your range fee, go down. Our staff is the best in the industry, and we can take all of the pain out of it and it doesn't take long to make sure you're ready ahead of time, and it'll pay big dividends later. All right, my friend, we've got to run. How do people find you? Terry, give us a call, 303-659-7117. Go to our website, coloradoclays.com. Clays for kids, feel free to give us a call, um, and uh, we'll give you all the information you need. If you want to register online, K-L-A-Y-S, number four kids, Clays for Kids 2023.eventbrite.com, and uh, you can find that. But definitely get a team in on this one. It's going to be a great day, and we're going to do a lot of good for some really uh, kids that need it. All right, my friend, we'll let you go, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Terry. You bet. We're going to take a quick time out. We'll come back. We'll wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to wrap up this week's uh, episode. A couple things I want to cover. Number one is kicks. We have a lot of grass out there, folks. High grass. Kicks are going to be in that high grass right by the trails. They sense you coming by. That's why they're there. And there are so many tick-borne pathogens and diseases across North America. Be extremely cautious. If you've been out, check yourself from ticks when you get back. We're going to get the tick uh, prevention, disease prevention people on as we get towards fall. Tried to get them on a little earlier, and believe it or not, their representative is recovering from tick bites that happened like 10 years ago. She was in getting blood transfusions, so it can be extremely serious. Be, be watching. The rivers are going to start to come down, but we could get some flows through since reservoirs are full. Know before you go. Be kind of aware of what's going on. Remember the regional sportsmen's 
caucuses, go to the Parks and Wildlife page and start participating. Let your your needs be known, your wishes be known. Get involved. Don't just complain when things aren't the way you want. Become part of the solution. And if you can't attend, at least listen to one online. We have some great fishing reports today. I will get... Um, I will start posting a lot of our segments. You know, we have podcasts. You can listen all the time by going to the station. You can go to um, denversports.com or 1043thefan.com and go to my page, and you'll see you'll see podcasts of the shows by the hour that go back months, hour one, hour two. But then we do segment podcasts that are interviews, uh, like Nate's two segments will show up, one fishing, one hunting. We post a lot of those on our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and we post the links so that you can go to it. Also, if you have Apple or Spotify or any of those, you can get uh, interviews and hourly podcasts of this show that go back years even and, and review some of the stuff and compare it if you're if you're interested in it. Speaking of Apple uh, Music and Spotify, Remember, Wickstrom and Dobrith, our music entity, are on all your streaming services. If you search Terry Wickstrom, it's hard to get those to come up because there's so much of the outdoor stuff there. But if you search Wickstrom and Dobrith, whether it's on social media or um, one of the streaming services, they'll come up and give a listen. We love that. Um, Fishing right now, there's going to be changes. Normally, fish by now have settled in to their summer patterns. And because of uh, the late weather, the high water, the cooler weather, they're still transitioning. So you're going to have to go out with a game plan, but be willing to adapt because over the next two, three weeks, we're going to see some pretty major changes in our lakes and our rivers. So be, be really, really aware of that. And a lot of the fishing we talked about today is available on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. Just go there and check it out. Now, those are legacy shows that were filmed a while ago. Um, from our television shows, but most of that information is still very pertinent. Go there. Now, I want to say a great thanks to, uh, of course, Karen for keeping this show together, keeping me online and letting me pretend I know what I'm talking about and having things organized. And I also want to say hi to uh, Dante, who is uh, back in the studio running the board, uh, playing Hurt. He had a major injury and some surgery. He's going to be okay, but he's going to have a recovery period. But he was in there, and I'll tell you what, I thought the show between between Karen and Dante today ran perfectly. If you think I had anything to do with it, you're, uh, you're probably mistaken. But thanks to them. Thanks for making me look. And thanks to you folks for joining us every Saturday from 9 to 11. We're going to let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in sports on 104.3 The Fan.